Well, a week of sadness, no doubt. Definitely a time for mourning. A time for, I think... Um, and and it's it's quite ironic. It's time for great sadness, but in that sadness, a great respect, celebration, and I think uh, warm-heartedness, as many have reflected on the great life lived by Farooq Khan, the veteran journalist, also a former beauty pageant organizer, passed away at the age of 75 on Thursday, um, succumbed to cancer, and remembered as a remarkable journalist who always stood steadfast in the pursuit of truth, social justice and human rights, always, um, you know, writing very poignant tales and strong tales about um, harsh realities faced by people. Of course, very instrumental during the time of, I think, um, when media and when journalism faced a great deal of oppression and many have been lauding his um, credibility and his steadfastness during that time to still go beyond boundaries and beyond the clampdown and still get the best possible interview to tell his stories. And... um, that was him journalistically really laying the ground for for a great sense of, um, I think, integrity in the profession. But it didn't stop there because always, and so many journalists, I mean, if you go through Facebook, you'll see it. Um, so many journalists paying their tribute to uh, Farooq Khan, who, or Uncle Farooq, as they would call him, who literally would take budding journalists, aspiring writers under his wing. A great deal of protection, a great deal of mentorship, a great deal of support. Um, that father figure in the newsroom, which, you know, is so integral and so important and very hard to come by. <laughs> um, and and, and Farooq Khan served as that, many have been telling us. And I think a lot of his friends, what they tell us, never a dull moment when Farooq Khan was around. So definitely a colourful man with a very, very vibrant uh, legacy left behind in the world of media and sadly succumbed to cancer at the age of 75. So I think today on Newsbreak, we'd be, I think, failing in our duty, failing in our responsibility if we did not pay tribute to Mr. Farooq Khan, um, that great life, that great uh, legacy. So we've decided to stop everything, everything that we were about to cover, everything that we had on the agenda, stop it all and pay tribute to Mr. Farooq Khan for his indelible contribution to journalism and the world of media. So we're going to start by hearing from the man himself what a treat that is is now as we reflect on his great life SABC library, uh, librarian Dinesh Birijbal come through the SABC archive for interviews um, that we may have conducted with the late Mr. Farooq Khan and came across this interview conducted on Human Rights Day the 21st of March and this was in 2017 it was the opening of the 1860 Heritage Centre, I think this interview was done then by the breakfast show on Lotus FM. Uh, Mr. Khan was instrumental in laying the foundations for this glorious monument to the history of people of Indian origin. Time to look back. It's also time to look forward where it is. For me, uh, apart from everything else in the museum, I needed to make a solid statement for women to be present here. And uh, we have, uh, we pay tribute to Velyama Murliar, who is the first child to be martyred in the liberation struggle in 1914. And she marched with Mahatma Gandhi. And very little has been said about her or to celebrate her life. So we've got a special segment on her. And last month, on the 22nd of February, that was the date she was born. And that was the date she died 14 years, uh, eight, 16 years later. 
we declared that 22nd of February every year will be known as Valiamar Day. So we could celebrate the lives of child martyrs, people who died, children who died in the liberation struggle. But then that led us to another project where we looked at the role of women in the liberation struggle from 1860. And we chose 15 women whom will be inducted into a wall of fame. And uh, of those 15 women, only one is alive, Mani Ben Sita, and she's 90 years old. And we've managed to track her down to Pretoria. And then there's a glorious history of 150 some odd years of protest by women that has been untold and will be told in this museum. So that's we are looking forward to. But the real dream is that piece of land across there. The idea is to acquire that land and build a full-size uh, replica of the Truro. That's the dream. And uh, the lotion, it's his idea again, and he's fired my imagination. So you can imagine that we are trying to put the plans together and get this thing going. And also what we intend doing that every month is to have a historical event where we bring in people who know what happened on that particular day. Some of them who studied. In fact, this month or later next month, we're going to honor two women. One is Dr. Cassie Volgunum, the first Indian woman or woman of color to become a doctor. Right. The first Indian doctor in South Africa was the son of a slave in Cape Town who became, a, his name was Dr. Abdullah Abdurrahman, who went to Scotland. When his parents were freed, they collected enough money by selling fruit and sent him to Scotland to be a doctor. And he was the first Indian doctor. The next Indian doctor that arrived on the scene in Devon was in 1927, who was Dr. Muhammad Siddharth. And the next one was Kesi Vulgunum and Monty Naika and Dr. Yusuf Dadu, all three whose memories are enshrined in this place. But it also tells you uh, the thirst for education for amongst our people, not just to be uh, shopkeepers or sugarcane workers. You must remember that from 1910 or 1911, uh, indenture was stopped by India and farmers threw Indians out into the street and a lot of our people were so resourceful they went into the cut making trim business where they became machinists and uh, then they had great dreams for their children to be educated but the universities wouldn't take them on not even Brits University they had to go to Fort Hare and do BSc or something like that before they could study something else but look what has happened since then the Indians have the highest capacity per capita of professional people. But I just want to go back to Indian women. Today, Indian women virtually out-earn Indian men. And the leading banks are quite happy to give Indian women loans, gold cards, rather than Indian men. They won't admit this openly, but in private discussion and in research, the facts are there. So, this museum wants to become a hallmark for girl children to turn their future to be sunshine, to be gold, and that they can attain anything. This museum is telling all Indians, and this is why it's important for young people, is not just to reach for the stars, but to own the sky. It can happen. And what we are showing here 
is Indian people who came here and they said these people didn't know nothing, it's not true. When they came here, they brought in their own vegetables, seeds of their own vegetables, fruit. Mangoes didn't grow here, pumpkins didn't grow here, herbs didn't grow here. Indians brought that. And what did they do? From the sugar cane, they owned the sky. And in 1960, in Durban alone, the land that was taken away from Indians is estimated to have been 30 billion rand. Billion, not million, 30 billion rand. This is what the Indians lost. And if you look at them today, they are somewhere, but they are not as far as where they should be. So, we are going to blow some myths. We're going to rewrite the history of our people and demand the rightful place in the future. And if the future generations doesn't take note of what's going on right now in South Africa, then they don't have a future. And the future for them starts here. Could go on listening, hey? Um, that was Faru Khan, the veteran journalist there talking. And I, those, those, you know, um, I think often he was regarded by many that we have spoken to and speak to um, as a man ahead of his time. And I mean, like we indicated, this interview was done two years ago, over two, about two and a half years ago. Um, and I mean, obviously, the um, the feminism narrative and the narrative about women's liberation, women's rights has been a strong one for, I think, centuries. Right. But let's be honest. And if we use Newsbreak as a case study, that conversation has really intensified uh, in the past year or so, um, taking into account a lot of uh, gender based violence issues and, 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 and crimes against females. So obviously that narrative is intensified and a lot more people taking it seriously. But the fact that two and a half years ago, you have the likes of Mr. Farooq Khan really talking about the role of women in um, something like the liberation struggle and how that needs to be further documented, um, you know, specifically within the local local grassroots Indian origin context, um, just speaks to the, you know, foresightedness and um, forward thinkingness of uh, Mr. Farooq Khan. So yeah, interesting to have heard from him. So yeah, that was a man of uh, vision, conviction, the late Mr. Farooq Khan there speaking so passionately then about women and the part women have played in history. Um, we've also managed to, um, you know, get get some interviews with people very close to him. Uh, we also got some interviews lined up with some of the colleagues that he's worked with to really help us, you know, pay tribute to the, to the late great and also understand his perspective a bit more and his mind uh, spaces a bit more. But attributes have been pouring in for veteran journalist Farooq Khan, who passed away. Uh, Khan succumbed to cancer. Close friend and coordinator of the Miss India South Africa pageant, Preeta Nanu, says she is still trying to come to terms with Khan's death. It is absolutely a very, very, very sad day for us. Mr. Farooq Khan was a legend. He was an icon. But more than that, he was my best friend. We ran the pageant for the, over 20 years, and we worked so closely, and I learned so much from him in the pageant work and also in the world of journalism because he taught us everything. He had such a passion for the performing arts, and he had such a passion for, the, for his writings. And he put it all together, you know, in the pageant because his writings came out so well in the, in the brochures that we produced. I can't find words to express how much we're going to miss him in the Miss India world and, of course, in the journalism world, too. 
So that was Preeta Nanhu, the Farooq Khan's close friend and coordinator. When we come back, more interviews. It's Newsbreak Talk just before 20 past one. I'm Tarej Hari Prashad. And yes, we are paying tribute and, and reflecting on the life of late, great uh, Mr. Farooq Khan, who succumbed to cancer this week. And I think, um, you know, while we've heard from him ourselves and we've, um, you know, understood to an extent, very small extent, uh, because the life has been too big to even contextualize. Um, yeah, so we've understood then the journalistic integrity and contribution of Mr. Um, Farooq Khan. But what about the person behind it all? And I love those stories. And I think it's, it, it's as we pay tribute to Mr. Khan, it's wonderful to to get this this narrative going and, and we're very very um fortunate then to be joined on the line by uh, a friend of mr farooq khan uh, kantan pillay of course a media giant himself mr pillay it's such an honor to speak with you well i wish it were under better circumstances um i think i think uh, there are many of us around the world who are absolutely devastated at, uh, at having lost Farouk. no most definitely i wish the circumstances were great but uh you know, and, and I started off the broadcast by saying that while it is a time of great sadness, it's also a time of, um, you know, in, in hindsight, uh, a great sense of joy. Because when you reflect on such a great life, automatically it makes you feel great. Yes, I, I think uh, if, if one looks in, in terms of the, the real legacy of, uh, of Farooq Khan, outside of the fact that all of the milestones that he achieved in terms of journalism... There was a, a group of us over the course of years that he, he basically took under his wing and uh, and he mentored us. And, uh, I, you know, I'm uh, a representative sample of this. In 1980, when I was expelled from the University of Denver, and I found myself, you know, literally contemplating what I'm going to be doing with the rest of my life. Yeah. And uh, uh, Farouk Khan had been taught by my mother at school. And at that time, he was news editor of Post. And uh, I asked her to arrange uh, for me to meet him so that I could see whether journalism was something that I wanted to follow. And so my mother took me along to uh, meet Farouk Khan. At the time, Post was in the old daily news building at uh, what was then 85 Field Street, uh, up on the first floor. And um, and we walked into the place. And of course, newsrooms in those days, everyone used to smoke. All the time, so yeah. there was uh, there was Farouk Khan in the corner with a you know ashtray on his desk, and, uh, um, and and of course immediately when he saw my mother, you know he uh, the old schoolboy in front of uh, his school teacher yeah. came to the forefront and he jumped to, to his feet and oh said, gosh you know, <laughs> yeah he said <laughs> and he hastily stubbed out his cigarette and pushed his ashtray behind his uh, uh, his typewriter. And um, and took a look at me and uh, uh, and um, uh, Mr. Pillay, uh, I want to stop you there and yeah. ask you what can you draw from that that particular story? <laughs> look, I, I think you know his fundamental respect for uh, for his elders and for the people that had uh, had had come before him. You know, I think uh, Farouk, you know, deep inside himself was always. That, that that excited schoolboy to some extent, and uh, and constantly finding um, uh, one would say that uh, you know a certain element of uh, of naughtiness that uh, that came with it at the same time that kind of uh, yeah played its way through. But you know immediately at that point uh, he then turned to me and he said, yeah, "What are you looking at?" And I, and I said, uh, and I said to him quite honestly, I said, "You remind me of Peter Ustinov." 
And uh, Peter Yusinov was, uh, of course, uh, uh, you know, a bit of a giant in the uh, celebrity world. And um, and Farouk, by his appearance at that point, really reminded me of Peter Yusinov. Yeah. I'd seen Peter Yusinov on TV just uh, a couple of weeks previously. And he said, kid, sit down. We're going to get on fine. <laughs> wow. But I think let's let's talk then about because I know there was a there was a a, a really big theme. Um, sorry about that. There was a really big theme then about him taking a lot of journalists under their wing. And I know when you, um, I, I think at that at that stage it was called the Natal Post. When you started working there, what was that relationship like? That, that, that's correct. Uh, you see, at the time, uh, Farouk already had a group of youngsters uh, who were working with him. He. Um, you see, at that time, the the Argus company used to run something called the Kidesco, but it was a very formal structure, and it was uh, overwhelmingly white. And Farouk basically got permission from management that he could bring youngsters in and teach them the basics of journalism, and um, with the assumption that uh, as we progressed, we'd be able to publish things, and uh, yeah, we'd be able to get paid for that. In fact, my very first piece was a page one piece on uh, uh, on post, for which I got paid 11 rand. There was a group of us there that uh, he had there. There was um, a woman named Jamila Hussein. Uh, uh, Ismail Suda was another. Uh, Rashida Duma, um, who is now Rashida Jeeva, she went on to become um, the managing editor of Huffington Post up in Canada. And uh, and and myself and and there were a range of others yeah, that, uh, yeah. that, that he took under his wing, and uh, and he taught us uh, everything that he knew about journalism, the basics of journalism, how to craft a story, uh, the rules about who, what, where, when, yeah, why, and yeah. how. All of these things, and uh, um, and he he enjoyed it. You could yeah, see. I want to ask about patience, yeah. Mr. Pillay, because you know when you know when you look at it, and and I think those who work in the media industry know a newsroom isn't really a patient place. So, yeah. what kind of patience did he display to take you through all of this? Well, I think a lot of it was actually uh, teaching us by example. So it it wasn't really uh, a, a, a question of trying to. Um, wait for us to, uh, to catch up. Uh, the, the trick was that we needed to keep up with him, and yeah. uh, so we we would sit uh, uh, around him, you know, almost at his feet, you know, like uh, uh, like acolytes of old. While he was, uh, he'd pick up his book of contacts. Farouk uh, knew everyone who was anyone in Durban, and uh, and had their phone numbers, and he would pick up the phone, uh, ask questions. And then after he puts down the phone, he would then look around us and he'd say, you know, now what did you learn from what I was just uh, uh, asking? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And um, it, it, it was a significantly better way of learning than, mm. uh, than, than sitting in a lecture hall and yeah. hearing someone yeah. tell you. I mean, I think as, mm, it, it points, yeah, to the, just points to the, you know, also what we raised earlier about him having that forward thinking way of approach to, I think, anything. So rather get the... You know the prospective journalists to get in there, get their feet wet in the ground, as opposed to theoretically explain it to them. So, so I love how you explain that. But I think a final question, as we you know move down a list of mem- memoirs from a lot of people, is um, yeah. you worked in, and and I think specifically this was um, one of my great interests and areas of interest in in what in, in uh, going through your writing was uh, your perspective on politics specifically indian south african politics and uh, you know it was fascinating to read and and often um go through your perspective on it 
talk to me about the progressive nature of Farooq Khan's thinking um, that, you know, you were able to get, uh, gain and add to your political perspective. Look, I, I think what was really different about Farooq, uh, all of us at the time who were there in journalism, uh, we really got into it uh, because of the point of view of uh, wanting to push a particular political viewpoint, and that was we wanted a free South Africa where all of us would be able to do um, the things that we enjoy today. Farouk, on the other hand, was um, genuinely a, a people person. He was in journalism because he wanted to tell stories of people. Uh, there was a saying that um, uh, that Farouk used to uh, tell us. All. There, there were many things for one from Farouk, but this one always stuck in my head. Uh, he said, I want to afflicts the comfortable and I want to comfort the afflicted yeah and um, it, it really was the most profound reflection of what the man was all about uh, politics was a peripheral thing for, yeah. for Farouk yeah. it, it was the ability to help his fellow human beings and uh, and, and he would go after those stories you know the um, uh, the person who had uh, who had lost their um, uh, their house the, uh, the woman who had been widowed because of uh, uh, of crime. Oh my God! And, and it was the type of thing where you know, after the story was was carried out, Farouk was the type of uh, person who would then t- take a basket of fruit and go to the person's home really? and, and deliver that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well. And uh, yeah. So I think if, if there's an object lesson out there mm. yeah, that uh, uh, we could learn from him. Um, wow. Uh, I, I never stop thinking about that side of Farouk Khan. Amazing. Well, th- you know, I thank you so much, Mr. Pillay, for sharing that story with us because it really helps us, you know, place the work now into a context because this was the thought process and I think the personal, um, you know, preconceived ideas that Mr. Farouk Khan had, his sensibilities that reflected in his work. So thank you, Mr. Kantan Pillay, for sharing these stories with us. That's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Look forward to talking to you sometime in the future. Well, you know what? I think we got a lot more to, um, lot more memoirs to share, a lot more interviews to do. But I'd love to open up the lines then and ask you if you'd love to uh, share any, you know, remarks on the passing away of Mr. Farooq Khan. Have you followed his work? Has it shaped your perspective in understanding? I think specifically the political paradigm back in the days. Um, a beautiful line there, Mr. Pillay left us with. Um, Farooq Khan said that he wanted to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Isn't that powerful? And that's what he strived to do in his journalism. So if you ever were comforted by his journalism, let us know. 89 3108789. Yes, so we are reflecting on the uh, life and times of Mr. Farooq Khan and uh, I think it's 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 a lot of great perspective coming through about you know the way he approached his work and I think um, as I think when we speak to younger journalists and they tell us how he uh, took them under his wing so painting a, a great picture there uh, about the kind of man that Mr. Farooq Khan was but I think before we go to our next interview I'll take you through to WhatsApp um, a lot of people see, uh, are you know sharing their sentiments and. And reflections of uh, passing away of Mr. Uh, Farooq Khan. Uh, got a message here from from yes from Vasi David saying, "Never forgotten." Uh, I think succinctly put there. Um, and there's another message here. This is from uh, Zahir Dunbar in Phoenix um, saying that. Uh, 
batting to get this text. Oh, there we go. Uh, I wish there were much more journalists in today's times that had Mr. Faru Khan's intellect and most of all, his courage in interrogating today's senior politicians. Even during the dark days of apartheid, he was gutsy. Today's journalists could learn from him and Helen uh, Zilla. That's from Zahir Danba in Phoenix. Most definitely. I mean, I think just that integrity and uh, I think the uh, steadfastness in making the um, um, uh, making the uh, afflictors uncomfortable. I certainly take so much from that. Always in my, um, you know, in my attempt to grow as a journalist, definitely draw from those experiences. This message from Namba Mudli. Good afternoon. Farooq Khan will be sadly missed. May he rest in peace. Condolences to his family and friends. That is from Ramba Mudli. So yes, we're going to speak now to somebody who worked very extensively with Mr. Farooq Khan. And, um, you know, I'm going to say this and I, it's just my personal opinion, my personal perspective. It is really a man who needs no introduction as far as I'm concerned. The name itself does it all, Brijlal Ramgati. Yes, of course, the former editor of the Post newspaper. Mr. Ramgati, it's so wonderful to speak with you. Graf and Tresh, and to your listeners as well, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be able to um, say a few words. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, on the, on the occasion of this tribute yeah. to the late Farooq Khan. Mm. And it's you know it's a few words, but it's 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 a wealth of wealth of memories, wealth of experiences, and you know I'm sure it's been uh, it's been a great you know journey for you to work with him, and and I think maybe just help us you know put it into perspective your initial days of working with Mr. Farooq Khan. How did that start? Yeah, first of all, let me just say that I uh, listened very intently to Kantan uh, Pillay, and you know he's uh, the way he. Uh, it painted that picture of the early days uh, of uh, journalism at Post. Uh, you know, made it so much real because that's what uh, we all went through. Yeah. And I, of course, um, had to oversee uh, some aspects of what uh, Kantan Pillay spoke about. But uh, from a very personal point of view, I got to meet Farouk, I think it was very early in, in, in the 70s. And he... Strangely enough, at our first meeting, he introduced himself, not as Farooq Khan, but as Adhikari. Yeah. And um, that, that was a surname that he had previously. And then, of course, um, it, it was changed to Khan. Um, so that's just one of the little things that I, I remember. But, you know, Farooq, as a person and as a colleague had this wonderful charisma about him. He was bombastic. Um, he never ever failed to say it aloud, his views on certain issues. And, you know, to the rest of the team at Post, he was the go-to person. The one who had answers for just about every yeah. issue. And it speaks volumes that today, you know, we, we, we talk so much and so proudly of the part that Farouk created for journalists. And um, it, it was my pleasure to have been associated with him for many years and to have shared some of his trials and tribulations as well, because life is not 
the bed of roses that it is sometimes yeah. made out to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mr. Ramgati, uh, interesting message here from uh, one of our ardent um, uh, supporters of the talk show, Zahir Dunbar, and he says that, um, you know, journalists today, and, and I particularly draw from this, he says that journalists today um, can really learn um, from the way Mr. Farooq Khan would interrogate senior politicians even during the dark days of apartheid. Take me back to that time. Yeah, look, he was incisive in his questioning. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, people on the other side probably got a bit irritated. But our job, as it should, should always be, is to present a balanced perspective and uh, not to take sides. And, you know, you may have your own personal views about issues, but you don't bring those personal views into the open when you are writing a report. And uh, as much as some of them may have become irritated by his probing questions, that was the job that he was trained to do. And, of course, um, as someone who had to oversee his copy from time to time, uh, I wouldn't have allowed that to go through without, of course, the basics of the Audi Ulstrom Partum rule being applied, and strictly so. Yeah. And I I think talk about, you know, I mean... We've spent a lot of time talking about his work. Let's talk about him as a person. You know, um, of course, that relationship in the newsroom, uh, a bustling space during that time as well, the the content and the, and the stories that um, I think you both were churning out was just so, um, I, th- I, th- I think, infectious is the word. What was the, you know, after deadline relationship like? Okay, we, we did socialize um, at his uh, flat. 17 Yale Court in Sydney, Durban, uh, and the regulars there used to be some other dear colleagues, uh, MS Roy, our photographer, um, you know, who, who is now late, Devon Modley, at whose flat Farouk um, aborted for a while um, after relocating from Johannesburg. And then, of course, there was uh, Amos Ngoma, um, who was... Um, one of our very dear colleagues who, although he worked on a part-time freelance basis for us, was very much a part of the team. So, yeah, it was um, nothing exotic, but but we used to meet for a chat over uh, tea and cakes, which were so uh, kindly provided by uh, Farouk's late wife, Aisha. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, sounds like a fascinating space to be in. I would love to know the conversations that happened there. But yeah, also... well, it, it was, you know, the usual thing that the guys get up to. <laughs> uh, and, of course, for me, at a personal level, uh, before I um, could go to my future in-law's home yeah. on what was supposed to be my first official visit, I stopped over at uh, Farouk's flat, freshened up, and was given some life lessons by both Farouk and Aisha yeah. on how I, stu- how I should carry myself when yeah. meeting my in-laws oh, wow. and, uh, you know, etiquettes and things like that. And um, so uh, freshened up, um, tried to look... Uh, my, my my best under the circumstances. <laughs> and there was a dear Roy who drove me to 56th Kennedy Road. Right. Su- supposed to have been 
for an hour, but I didn't know that Farouk had actually given him instructions to um, give me more time so that I could acclimatize <laughs> to the surroundings. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, at a personal level, I, you know, I still remember those those lessons. Yeah, yeah. And, so, of course, you know, you know, there were other occasions when, when we met and, and, and had chats. But I think, Tanish, you know, before um, this is forgotten, mm. I just want to talk about the ability that Farouk had yeah. to build bridges. Okay. To, to, to uh, you know, to build contacts. And a kind of daredevil attitude also. Um, you know, it has been said already uh, quite a few times and will probably be still said that he was a sports fanatic as much as he was yeah. a news guy at heart. And he was, and this is without doubt, in the corners of two very, very uh, well-known boxing champions. Yeah. One, Pierre Fourie from Boxburg, well, he was in Boxburg at the time, uh, you know, and then, of course, uh, the legendary Muhammad Ali. And when I asked Farouk, you know, what's your role? Yeah. You know, how come you are so close? Yeah. And you're in the corner, and uh, he then said, well, I am their spiritual guru. <laughs> so it took me... <laughs> He took me aback, but then, you know, coming from Farouk, one had to yeah. <laughs> take that uh, from whence it yeah. came. Yeah, like, 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 like Mr. Ramkati, like you said, they're very bombastic. And I think, I want to shift now as we, as we uh, wrap just, up. If I can just add one more. Okay, sure, this sure, sure. The, the, the daredevil Farouk. Um, so, the, who, Lawrence Rowe, the West Indian cricketer, was subsequently uh, Sir Lawrence Rowe, yes. was here with the rebel cricket tour of, of West, some West Indian players and others in 1982. And then he asked me whether I was keen on coming with him because he was on to an assignment and being eager to learn. And uh, of course, he was a lot more experienced than I was at the time. We went off to a Devon hotel um, without, as I got to know afterwards, pre, um, pre-arrangement. And he knocked on the door and there was Sir Lawrence Rowe who very, very warmly welcomed us after being a little bit sheepish, though. And, yeah, yeah. And Farouk was able to ask him some riveting questions wow. about the level two, etc. Lovely. Uh, excuse my language, Mr. Ramgati, but Durban sounds really lit back in those days. But on that note, uh, just as we wrap up, you know, and just, and just so I think... Um, Everybody at home can really get this image in their head now as we talk about it. Mr. Farooq Khan, that well-groomed beard, usually wearing a very, very flashy hat and those amazing, amazing shoes all the time. Mm. Very flashy dresser. He was, but you know, the beard came uh, in post-retirement. Yeah. Because he was always clean-shaven. And, um, you know, the, the hat, of course, I think this is something that he picked up from another great journalist of our yeah. uh, of our era, Mr. Ismail I. A. Khan from Tonga, yeah. um, who was often seen in what was then referred to as a Bostonian hat, and of course um, he also wore an overcoat, very much like Mr. Khan did. Yeah. So those were, you know, the, the trademarks that that uh, Farouk. Khan also left behind. 
Yeah, wonderful. Well, Mr. Ramgati, we'll leave it there with you. Thank you so much for sparing us the time to take us into your memoirs there with Mr. Farooq Khan. And we look forward to, I think, hearing about it at some point as well. Yeah, um, and, and just finally, mm. you know, I know that he was on to a book, yeah. um, which he spoke to, to me about also while we met at the gym. And sadly, uh, the last time we met was about six months ago. Yeah. Um, and, and the title that he had thought about was The Man They Couldn't Gag. Wow. Sadly, oh, wow. It's, it's the end of a man whom they really couldn't gag. Yeah, wow, that's really powerful, Mr. Ramgatli. Yeah. It would have been a fascinating read. Thank you very much for your time and look forward to checking in with you soon. And that was Mr. Brijlal Ramgatli. He is the former editor of Post Newspaper. When we come back, I'm going to go back to WhatsApp. You want to call us? Go ahead. 089-310-8789. Your thoughts then on the passing away of Mr. Uh, Farooq Khan, a really charismatic man, a great journalist. What we're finding out is that a very kind, passionate and patient journalist who shared uh, the information to a lot of budding journalists. And he really created a a school of journalists who, um, you know, consider him um, their mentor. Um, steadfast and very um, precise and decisive in his questioning, never succumbed to power. Um, the man that could not be gagged, as Mr. Uh, Ramgati has explained to us there, you know, kind of an insight into what Mr. Farooq Khan wanted to write about in his own life. And also a very, very smart dresser, former, uh, of course, he was the... Um, coordinator of the Miss India South Africa pageant. Uh, so, so many aspects of his life and yes, very committed to the role South African women played in the struggle against apartheid. So a lot more to do, wrap up and talk about as we continue our conversation. If you'd love to talk about any of these points and if you have any recollections of Mr. Farooq Khan, please give us a call 89 it's our tribute show to the late journalist Mr. Farooq Khan, a man who's really shaped many perspectives for the South African Indian origin community initially. And then, of course, the, I think the wealth of his expertise and knowledge made him a global journalist with a, with a great deal of insight. And, oh, um, and uh, this is something if any of you have particularly followed or been a part of, I know um, one of my very brief interactions with Mr. Farooq Khan was... Um, you know, uh, just a a fleeting conversation. I can't even call it a conversation, but knowing that he was involved in a bit of a discourse and dialogue then about um, the situation in Palestine. And and, and I know he hosted a whole lot of uh, journalists, global journalists, global activists in in facilitation and discourse around that time. So, um, of course, his, his... you know, his interest areas expand even beyond the borders of South Africa. If any of you have any recollection of that, I'd love to hear it. So please share it with us. Um, going to WhatsApp quickly, we've got a message here from Kasturi Jai Shri Ram. She says, uh, sincere condolences to the Khan families and their friends. Very sad. Uh, rest in peace. And thank you uh, very much for your informative show as always. Much appreciated. Thanks so much, Kasturi, for listening. We appreciate it uh, that you find it this informative. Um, and I love this message. It's from Vasanta in Savannah Park, and she says, I really did not know Mr. Khan. I'm hearing about good things he did. I hope we get more people like him, good person, um, and, and they always do good. Uh, keep it up. And that was for the late Mr. Khan. So I think that's a wonderful message. Somebody who says, well, hey, listen, I didn't really know who you're talking about, but I'm hearing such great things, and it's already in that 
just in hearing a, a, an account of the person, I'm quite inspired and moved. So I think that's a great thing about legacies. Then if a person has left such an indelible legacy, it can go on to inspire even those who didn't know the person. So wonderful to hear that. Uh, Mrs. Nirmala Devi Mudli says, Good afternoon, Mr. Farooq Khan, indeed a man of profound vision. He leaves large footsteps to be fulfilled. Excellent coverage that gave us awesome insight of visionary journalists with an in-depth passion for his work. Love the insight and the vision he saw in us women. May he rest in peace. Condolences to his family. That's from Mrs. Nirmala Devi Mudli. Wow, wonderful messages coming through today. So, yeah, we're going to go to the phone lines and then I got one more interview to do to share in this memoir. So let's go to Sanjit. Hello, Ms. Hello, Sanjit. Hello. Hi, Hi there. How are you? Well, thanks. Uh, I'm very, what a lovely show uh, for a great man. Uh, yeah. Thank you very, very much for that. You're welcome. And any any recollections, any thoughts on Mr. Farooq Khan? Yeah, yeah. Being a family friend, uh, he used to do many shows with the family, my daughter and wife, yeah. Kamisha and Prita Nano. And I got to meet him on a very personal level. Yeah. And since you're on the journalism part of it, yeah. I thought I would share something um, I sent him a, an article and he forwarded it to Mr. Praveen Gordon, yeah. our minister, yes. Praveen Gordon. Yes. Uh, he found the article a wonderful piece of work and he was very excited about it. He critiqued it and uh, he said, this must go yeah. to the minister and he wow. sent it off. Wow. Uh, but we were working on non-racial sports. Yeah that emanated in our country. Mm, mm. And it is so unfortunate that we were going to exchange the material and he got sick. Yeah. So if any of your listeners out there know anything about it, uh, if they would like to pursue it with me, I would appreciate that. Mm. Uh, he had a wealth of knowledge on the uh, past non-racial sport aspect. Uh, as Mr. Ramgati pointed out, yeah. uh, avid sportsman as well. And um, he had all this information and how it started. And uh, it is mind-blowing information. And it's so tragic that I seem to have lost it. Yeah, I missed it's, the it's, golden it's, opportunity and it just passed down. It's definitely tragic. But you know what, it's, 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 it's great that I think the process was then started and hopefully it can come to fruition because I think we'd be very, very excited to see something like that. Thanks so much for your insights today. We really appreciate it. Uh, let's go to our next caller. Babu Narandan is yeah, on the line. Lovely show. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Babu Narandan. Hello, Mr. Narandan. Hello there. Good day to you. I'm um, the program. Yeah. To make it short and sweet, Farouk sure. was a very close friend of mine. I covered yeah. a lot of the pageant, traveled overseas with him, and we had some good times together. But one outstanding one uh, is when 2003 he brought Samantha Williams to South Africa, the astronaut, and uh, and he just made a quick call to me. Said, "Listen, I need your help." I said, "What happened, Farouk? Can you pick up so and so?" I said, "Who is that?" And then I got to know it was Samantha Williams. Can you bring her to this to the hall? So that was a secret that I didn't know. And after that, he asked her to escort her around Durban, take her to the various schools and to various places. And, you know, and it was just, you know, from Farouk, it was a natural thing that, you know, please take her around and do this and do that. 
And to my surprise, you know, I didn't know I was taking such a sort of, of dignity, you know, and a celebrity. And on the big, bigger picture, you know, Farouk has been a very great person. He has opened up roads for every, a lot of contestants, and he also helped me on my journey as been my professional. Made a lot of contact on an international level. And, you know, this is my contribution. And, you know, Mrs. Nanu around helping with the pageant. And we were like a family, so losing Farouk is also like losing a family member. And with his journalist experience as well, he knew a lot about my family. Because since I'm from Norton Natal, and we were in the hospitality industry, and he knew everything about our family, he told me things that I didn't know. So he had a lot of knowledge of, you know, all that went on in the past. And I learned a lot from him as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, this is my contribution. Thanks you know? so much. We really appreciate it. We appreciate your call. Thanks so much. Let's go to Priscilla on the line. Hello, Priscilla. Uh, hello, this is Priscilla Nalia speaking. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying your show. Yeah. And your um, thoughts? Yes. I was to talk about the uh, late Mr. Farooq Khan. When my husband passed away, uh, this is an incident 30 years ago, and he made an appointment with me, um, and he came to visit me in my house in Philando Reservoir Hills sitting with me in the lounge, and um, he wrote an article on the uh, death of my husband because uh, he had died um, after playing cricket, and he was a school friend of, of my late husband. Yeah. So that's the incident. I could just picture him sitting with me in my lounge. Wow. Yeah. Uh, condolences uh, to the, uh, the Khan family, and may his soul rest in peace. Wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing those stories with us. So yes, we want to go through some, I think, very quick interviews then uh, as we paid memoirs to him. Uh, Some of his colleagues who have um, passed, um, you know, through the uh, system with him and who have really shared a great experience working with him. So let's talk to former editor at Independent Media, Alan Dunn. Mr. Dunn, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on this program. Yes, and I think we, we we're just going to you know go through it very quickly and briefly now. And, and, and I think your working relationship then uh, with Mr. Farooq Khan, you know, many have been talking to us about his um, he, him being a visionary, him going, you know, thinking out the box a lot. Was that something yes. you grasped from him? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, just, uh, you know, my good colleagues, Kenton Pillai and, and, and Bijlal Ramkuti have, have uh, talked about how he mentored young people. There was higher purpose there. He saw the need for these people. You know, your, your old timers, your, your veterans, uh, such as Farouk was, uh, were sometimes impatient, a little gruff with the, with the youngsters coming through. And the, the man had the ability to think beyond, beyond that because he knew that it was good for journalism that the youngsters did come through and the book brought through properly. And so just by sitting and listening to him, as I think Canton mentioned earlier, uh, the, the, the youngsters picked up yeah. the technique. They picked up uh, the, the need for a very, very big address book. Karen, uh, the, the man was very well well known. Uh, he uh, he knew a lot of people. More importantly, a lot of people knew him. And so that led to a big contact book, as we called it. And yeah. uh, he could call people. He could call people in high office. He could call people in low office, yeah, yeah. Uh, and everybody would take his call. He was a forceful personality. He was a big personality. You know, Mr. Dunn, yeah, Mr. Dunn, you know, you say he was a forceful personality, and many are saying he was he was very, very clinical in his journalism. But at the same time, and this is where you know, 
when trying to pay tribute and even understand the psyche of the man, um, while this is one side of his character, the other side that many tell us was that he was this warm father figure. How did the two combine? Yeah, he, 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 look, there was compassion all over him. You know, he would, he could come across very forcefully, very strongly, as he did. I think, I think Bidwell talked about that, where uh, people had to be held to account. And in that sense, he was thoroughly professional. And then there was the other side with colleagues. Uh, I didn't mix with the man socially, but I saw him working in the newsroom. Yeah, yeah. And on that, on that side there, he was actually the, uh, you know, the good human being. Mm. And uh, realized the need to uh, to bring through and boost confidence yeah. of uh, of the uh, tomorrow's journalists. Well, amazing. Well, Mr. Dunn, we thank you for for sharing your experiences there with us, Mr. Alan Dunn, then the former editor of the Independent Media, who've, who's had a great working relationship with Mr. Farooq Khan. Thanks so much for that share of information. Well, let's let's keep it going now because there's another set of perspective that I would like to get, and that is uh, another journalist very prominent and very respected and I think who shared a very great working relationship with Mr. Farooq Khan and that is um, Mr. Akash Bramdeo. Akash, great to speak with you. Thanks, Harish. Always good being on your program. Yeah, and, and you know, I think um, we've been hearing a lot about the work that Mr. Farooq Khan did with young journalists, taking them under his wing. And I understand that, you know, you have the privilege of that. What was it like, specifically when you, this young journalist, and you meet this towering journalist named Farooq Khan, you know, what was that role and relationship like? In fact, I didn't, I didn't work with Farooq. Uh, my relationship with Farooq, I mean, I knew Farooq. We worked in the same building, but I was at Post. But around the time that I started, Farooq was with the Daily News. And I didn't work directly with Farooq at that particular point. In 2010, when I returned to Durban to take up the editorship of Post, that's the time that Farouk um, and I became close. Um, not to say that we didn't know one another before. We'd bump into one another in the corridor. And the one thing about Farouk is, you know, if he liked a particular story that you did, he would be the type of person who would tell you because he was very supportive of other people. But in 2010, when I took over the editorship of Post, Farouk yes. was one of the first people to call me, to congratulate me, and to offer me his support. Um, and I must say that in the last couple of years, Farouk was one of those people who, when I had a, di- a, a dilemma, Farouk was the type of person that I would, I would call up for advice. Yeah. And I want to say three things about Farouk. Sure. The first is Farouk lived his life passionately. He lived every single moment of every single day. And that's something that we can all learn from. The second thing is Farouk is what I would define as an authentic human being. What Farouk said was the way he lived his life. Yeah, yeah. And the third thing about Farouk is he had this desire, this quest to improve not just the individual, but society. And that is what drove him. And that's what made his work as a journalist so remarkable, because it was in keeping with his vision of life, which, which was to improve every person that he came into contact with and society as a whole. And yes, Journalism, um, our species, we've lost a great individual in Farouk Khan. Wonderful. Well, Akash, I'm going to leave it there with you. Thank you so much Thank for you. sharing those memoirs with us. Of course, I would have gone in greater depth, but I think the amount of outpouring coming through uh, today has been so you know, voluminous that we've had to leave it there with you. Thanks for that, Akash Bramdeo, editor of The Post. We'll end off this particular um, tribute in 
well, you know, in a very short interview with Miss with uh, Farhana Osman, a friend who's been in hospital during this time, and you know, somebody who he met for about two decades now, knew for about two decades. Farhana, great to speak with you. Hello. Hi, Farhana. It's so good to speak with you. Thank you so much. Thank for, you for having me. Farhana, I just want to talk, you know, what we've painted, the picture we've painted of Mr. Uh, Farooq Khan was that he was such a great man of, of such stature. And then toward his latter days, was he still that man of great stature? Or, or, oh. or you know, his illness, did it ever dampen that spirit? I don't think that we can, uh, we can ever say that he was ill. Yeah. Uh, with, the, with the way that he had lived, I, I would say that he lived his life to the fullest. No one would ever have said that he was ill until the day that he went into, yeah. uh, he, he was admitted into the hospital. I think even until the moment when he was told um, that he had to undergo surgery for a condition such as you know advanced cancer, I think even that moment we still didn't believe that he wouldn't be with us today. So in saying that, I can say that he lived vicariously. It was amazing to have him around. It was really, he just, he just lit up every moment of our lives. So, you know, that's just the way that he was. Yeah, I think the lesson then, Farhana, very quickly, uh, that one can learn that even in something as serious as a cancer illness, to tap into your stature and and let it carry you. Absolutely. Um, I, I would have to agree with that. Um, you know, looking looking at uh, my own experiences of, of like uh, my family having gone through similar diseases and the way that he died, um, it was quite painful. But the memories that he's left behind have somehow just you know uh, they they seem to absorb that pain. And I think that we we I have great memories, but he hasn't only left great memories with me. He's left them with my family, and everywhere I look, he seems to have spread the seed of happiness, joy, and, you know, just that desire to want more and more in life. So I think we'll leave it there with you. That was Farhana Osman talking to us about the late great Mr. Farooq Khan. Went over time, but it was just to pay that tribute. Program came your way courtesy of team executive producer and Rachel Vadi. We, uh, Salma Patel and Rachel Vadi. So we're back tomorrow between 1 to 2. From me, Tarish, hey, have an awesome day.